It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, that's it then. Football didn't come home after all, but it certainly grabbed our attention for three weeks, didn't it? There were still calls for Gareth Southgate to get a knighthood. He shouldn't. And there are still romantics out there waxing lyrical about how England um, and the team brought the country together. Well, it didn't, did it? Thankfully, the night went off without any trouble. Obviously, the disappointment factor made for less dangerous celebrations. This morning, I passed a flag of St George ripped in half and discarded on the pavement. That pretty much sums up how everyone feels. We'll try and cheer you up. 0344 499 1000. Meanwhile, back in the real world, things are just as disappointing. Water companies are telling us to recycle the water. A rail boss sat for free in his own first-class carriage while sweaty commuters were told to stay away. Oh, and Donald Trump's here as well. We'll be finding out who the President of the United States is going to upset in the next few hours. 0344 499 1000. And as if that's not enough, we'll tell you why middle-aged people are so miserable. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. And of course, we want to hear from you on his 0344 499 1000. Lots of matters arising from the Trump visit, not least uh, all of these idiots demonstrating. But what about this guy, Mark Boone? There's a great picture of him in all the papers yeah, this talking morning. talking of idiots. Sitting in a first-class section of one of these trains, right? Now, you and I probably will both know this, but not everybody will. But normally speaking, the first-class section of, of these, these particular trains is part of the same carriage. It's not actually a different first-class carriage. So because the, they're a sort of weird hybrid, these trains, yeah. aren't they? So almost like a tube slash train. Almost, yeah. So yeah. they've got basically um, maybe, I don't know, 12 or so seats in first class. And yeah. then they've got some doors. And then they've got the rest of the, yeah. the, the plebs, basically. And what, what you can see in this picture is he's sitting in a first-class seat with a load of bags next to him so that nobody else can sit at the table. He's got a table in front of him. He's on his phone. And behind him are a load of sort of sweaty commuters. They're all standing because they can't up. get a seat. And as it's pointed out in the piece, he doesn't pay for his ticket. And yet he was stopping people from coming into the first class section and uh, sort of waving them away and then handing out his business well, card. That's what is, as that's if to say, you know, I've got the authority to do this. And he's also wearing a pass. So I think you can see his name even on his pass, mm. his sort of um, work pass. Because when I first plank. read the story and thought, how did the commuters who took this photo, how did they know that he yeah. was a trained boss himself? Right. 
And then I realised, you said, he was handing out his He was handing out his calves. Yeah, there's a woman called um, uh, Emma Fitzpatrick, who's a hairstylist from Croydon. Uh, She said he had a really awful manner. He dismissively turned passengers away from around 10 empty first-class seats, handing them his business card as he did so. Absolutely extraordinary. What an extraordinary way to behave. Given that his company is doing so badly and is so unpopular, you would have thought he might have done the reverse. Yeah. Said, I have the authority to allow you to of sit course. here, even if you haven't got even first class. Even if, yeah, and I'll make sure that you don't get fined yeah. if the if ticket collector And he comes. might have got some good publicity. Yeah, because I was actually on one of the, funnily enough, uh, as, as the world turns, you get back into a sort of circular conversation. I was once going to Stansted Airport, uh, not on, um, yeah. I, oh, actually, no, it was Luton Airport, so I must have been on one of these trains. And there was a. Going to paradise? Uh, nah, yeah, Luton I Airport. was going to. No, Luke Airport. Yeah, there's an old advert. Oh, I was about to say, I'm, sh- I'm showing my age. Yeah. No, they'll be thinking in the booth, what earth you're The Rain Chase was that yeah. one's name, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so a bunch of us were all, and it was literally sort of, you know, shoulder to shoulder, standing right up against yeah. each other. And there was a first class section behind a kind of partition. So I said, well, I'm going in there. And if somebody wants to come in and find me, then yeah. good luck to them, you know. And they never did because it was such a busy train that you couldn't get a conductor on it anyway. But also what I quite often do is I go and sit in first class and then until they come and ask me, and I'm going, oh, sorry, am I in first class? I didn't realise. And then, yeah. then I wander back to Yeah, but class. they can be quite sort of savage about that now. I remember once getting on a train from uh, Battle to come back up to London and it was quite late at night and it was an empty train. I got on and there was no ticket um, machine that worked at Battle Station and there was no ticket office because it was night time, so it was closed. And I got on the train and um, sat down. And about five minutes later, this guy arrives, uh, appears, I rather. And I said, can I please buy a ticket? To- I'll have to charge you the full amount, he said. You won't be yeah. able to get a cheap uh, fare. And I said, why is that? He said, well, because uh, if you didn't buy a ticket before you got on the train, you know, those are the new yeah. rules. And I said, well, I couldn't buy a ticket before I got on because, That's one, outrageous. there was no ticket office because it was shut. And two, the ticket machine doesn't work. So what do you want me to do? And he said, well, well the only way you could have got around that is if you'd come to find me before I found you. Oh, and I log- said, are you having a laugh? On. What, so I want me to get on the train and start hunting you down? Is that what you want me to do in order to get the cheap fare? And in the end, we, he sat down and, and sort of explained this whole kind of story, sob story. <laughs> By of which how, time you'd lost the will oh, to no, live. I was just like, God's <laughs> sake, I just want to have a sleep, you know. But he was he was saying how hard it was actually now for the ticket collectors because they're put under all this pressure yeah. to charge people the absolute maximum fare because it makes them more revenue. And all this business about all the different, you know, all the different fares, the two tickets that you yeah. can buy instead of one ticket, right. which they are, they are, they have said they're going to change. But I love this, Mr. Boone. Going mm. back to Mr. Boone, yeah. I think it should be called Mr. Boob. Yes, um, he was named Customer Service Manager of the Year <laughs> in, 20, in in 2015. Well, he's obviously lost think, that particular mantle yeah. since then. Yeah, I don't three think he's, he's going to be getting that back. But quite pleasingly, it does say last night an industry source said Mr. Boone had been admonished by Govia bosses, uh-huh. but will not face disciplinary action but he right. has been admonished so that's quite uh, satisfying what a complete and utter idiot though. Yeah. I mean this is the trouble with this country it's the same as uh, the other story we're going to talk about later on as well the water bosses telling us to recycle water yeah. don't use tap water on your lawn you know have a bath with a friend all that sort of rubbish I mean you know for God's sake I know I got advice the other day that you know when you run the shower to warm it up before you get in yeah that you should have a bucket that you keep in the shower, and in, and you shouldn't run and you shouldn't run that water away. You should keep that water, oh, and then you, you should water your garden with it. Oh right, okay, fine. And well, thought, actually, you don't thought, have to worry I'll, about that. I'll add that to my to-do last, list. Last night, I'm afraid, was another night of about four cold showers in the middle of the night <laughs> that I had to keep having in order to just keep sleeping. Now the cold showers, so you're getting hot flushes at night. Yeah. Chocolate urges. Yeah. You sure there's not something hormonal oh, going maybe, on? Maybe maybe there's some kind of change happening <laughs> to me. That could be right. I don't know. Something in the water. There's a story. Uh, uh, 
running as well after uh, an interview that was done this morning by one of uh, Trump's kind of supporters, a guy called um, Ruddy, uh, his name is, uh, who says that uh, you'll probably find the balloon actually funny because Donald Trump quite enjoys people lampooning him, which is not my experience no, of him. No, that's um, not mine either. But he quite likes he, he likes to be the centre of attention. But on the other hand, uh, this guy Ruddy says that actually Chris Ruddy's name is he might sue Sadiq Khan for allowing it to happen, <laughs> which is far more likely, I think. Let's talk uh, to Ben Harry's Quinney, chairman of the Bow Group, because the Bow Group have invited uh, several people to an event uh, in Parliament, I believe, later on today uh, to uh, to sort of celebrate the arrival of Donald Trump. Ben, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning. Well, tell us a little bit about the uh, the event, first of all. What's the Bow Group doing? Well, it's a mere half an hour away, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm there now. Okay. And the idea of it is really to demonstrate uh, to the, the president and to the American people that there are a lot of people that, that support him in the United Kingdom, but also, more importantly, I think, support the idea of the special relationship and, and want to see a successful trade deal post-Brexit. Yeah, I think this is what's being lost with Donald Trump, isn't it? Not because of him, but because of those who don't like him. They're kind of mistaking an animosity towards an individual for an animosity towards a country. Yes, and, and, and we want to do what we can um, to, to offset that. And I think the, the reality is that neither our rally, which will have a few hundred people there uh, this afternoon, or the protests which will have many thousands of people there tomorrow, a representative of what the British people think. Um, the, what we know from polls is the majority of the British people support the special relationship, um, oh. want to see the American president come to the UK and want to see a successful trade deal with the US post-Brexit. Right. But they're not, they don't feel strongly enough to turn out either way. You know, They'll be at home, they'll be at work. Um, They'll probably be watching it all on TV with with a degree of perplexion. Ben, I think that the trade deal is absolutely what most people would want, or they want they'd want you know, our economy to benefit from trade with the states. Where do you think we're going to get to on that? Well, Donald Trump has made a very generous offer. If you cast your mind back to Barack Obama saying we'll be at the back of the queue, um, Donald Trump has said that we'll be at the front of the queue and has offered us essentially a free trade deal, which unfortunately we can't do under the current. Uh, proposed deal with the, with the European Union, the proposal that Theresa May has made. The, the um, Chequers proposal. So, so you um, presumably that's made you anti the Chequers deal. Well, it's one of the things that that, that has yes, um, and, and Trump is actually being far more generous than he needs to be, and far more generous than our government is willing to acquiesce to, because he wants a completely free trade deal with the United Kingdom. He wants a similar deal to what we had. Of what we have as part of the European Union. And as far as the uh, event it goes itself, Ben, what sort of people are going to be there? Have you got MPs there? Have you got uh, sort of business business people? Yeah, we've. I mean, we've, it, it, it's in the largest room in Parliament, um, so we'll, we'll have about a hundred people there. Um, we've got um, some backbench MPs speaking who who you know want to see a success of this trade deal. We've got Nigel Farage speaking. We've got some people that are involved in organising events um, around London to, to welcome President Trump, including the guys that set up this Trump Arms pub. Oh, yes. Um, in, in we Chelsea. saw some pictures of that. Yeah, what is, what's going yeah. on there? Well, it's, uh, I, I went down there the other day. The landlord um, is a great guy, Irish guy, who um, doesn't understand what the, what the British people are doing with all these protests. Um, and just wants to demonstrate that the the president of the United States is welcome here. So he went so far 
is to rename his pub this week from the Jameson to the Trump Arms. Right. And presumably, because you're in Parliament, I don't know which side you're on, whether it's the Lords or the Commons, but you'll be able to see the baby balloon going up, I presume. Well, I don't know when that goes up, um, and I don't know how high it will be, but... Um, yeah, I've, I've sure been told we'll... it's going up at lunchtime today, but I don't know whether that's Well, we'll, pro- we'll, probably, we'll probably see it on the way out then. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think you're, you were on to something when you said I don't think Donald Trump will will mind it because um, he likes to be the centre of attention and love him or loathe him, everyone will notice. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed somebody hasn't put up a sort of rival balloon, you know. What, to, a Sadiq Khan. Oh, Sadiq Khan. What, what, yeah, well, somebody should have what, done that, surely. What's interesting is that actually the Sadiq Khan balloon that has been proposed has raised more money in a shorter period of time than the Donald Trump balloon. I think it's raised over £50,000 <laughs> now, but it... It's um, It's, it's logistically difficult. Yes, well, it didn't get approval to fly. Um, I'll I'll let your (laughs) your listeners judge as to as to why that might be. Ah. But I do find it extraordinary that the the Trump balloon cost twenty nine thousand pounds, and you're saying that they've raised. So who is it that's raised fifty thousand for the Sadiq balloon that's not going to fly? Well, I don't know. Just crowdsourcing. um, Whoever makes balloons in London is in for for a very good summer. Yes, well, I did. I, I did read the name. He, the guy that did the Trump balloon, is actually. I think he's a graphic designer. He's never designed a balloon before, so maybe it won't even float. Who knows? <laughs> well, we'll see. Yes, that would that would that would uh, be even more amusing. I think if it if it. Well, it, I mean, around. one of the things we said at the time when when Sadiq Khan did give permission for this one was that he won't be able to res- refuse permission for any other balloon. Surely now. Well, this is why I think the the balloon of Sadiq Khan will eventually fly, yeah. and will probably it might become a feature like the fourth plinth. Yeah. we've now constantly got a balloon. It's just uh, as long as he's in, not, it, we'd be like the, the Queen having the flag uh, flying when she's at Buckingham Palace. If he's ever in yeah, the uh, yeah. well, in, in in the sort of the mayor's office, you just float it, float it over uh, Tower Bridge. Who knows? In twenty years' time, it could have, it could be one of London's great landmarks that we're all talking about yeah. the, the balloon zone. Absolutely. But just to be serious for a moment, finally, Ben, because I know you're rushing off. Um, what sort of trade deal do you envisage? Because Trump clearly is a man who's sort of slightly, um, you know, off the hoof uh, and off the cuff, does whatever he feels like doing. I mean, do you think you're going to get something out of this trip as far as you know what tariffs may or may not be raised or or taken off or put on or anything like that? Well, I don't think Theresa May is is the right person for this. Um, I think there's a lot of politicians, both in government and in Parliament, that are still stuck in the in the Blair era mindset and are perhaps too nervous, too cautious to take the leap to to work with a figure like Donald Trump. Um, but I hope that um, either we get a new government or there is someone in this government that, that sees the great opportunity that we have at this time and may not have in the future unless we take it now. No, indeed. And I'm assuming just from reading a tweet here from Nick Clegg from this morning, he's apparently he's going on the anti-Trump demo, he tells us. I guess he won't be at your event. Uh, I don't think he will be. I mean, it's a bandwagon, isn't it? And, mm. and, and you know, you've got Jeremy Corbyn, John McDonnell, Owen Jones, all the figures that you'd imagine to be turning out for... for all the, the people who have blocked me on process. Twitter, funnily enough. <laughs> uh, well, yes, yes. They're not, they're, they're, that, that's the interesting thing. They're not particularly keen on debate. Um, they're not open to, to freedom of speech and, and discussion. I support their right to protest. I think that's very important. Yeah. But, I, but, but, but all the polls suggest that they're not representative of the British people. And, and, and the reason the Bay Group is doing these events over the next few days 
is is to is to give an alternative view. Um, and so the, the the oceans of American media that are in the United Kingdom don't come away with the view that everyone in Britain hates America because it's just not true. No, of course. And I'm rather disturbed, as I said earlier, to see this kind of um, uh, advisory being put out by the U.S. Embassy. If you're an American mm. in London, to be careful where you go and and what you and what you say and when you say it. Well, that's a sad day, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. I think um, whatever your politics are. Uh, I, I think Britain has a has a, a long and storied history with the United States that did have its fallings out, but mm. has been um, one of the strongest alliances and, and most beneficial alliances in the world. And I want to send out the, the, the message to Americans, you know, you're welcome in London, you're welcome in Britain yeah. um, without fear. And what have you got going on tomorrow? Because maybe I'll try and make that one. So tomorrow, and you'll be most welcome, um, we've got a party at the famed Trump Arms All right. uh, kicking off uh, at about uh, 7 o'clock. Um, there you go, Mike. It's so a party be... in a pub, your favourite. Can't be, can't be yeah. bad. <laughs> well, it would be a lot better if we'd, if we'd won last night. But, you know, I'm yeah. trying, to, trying to look for the positives. Yeah, well, exactly. We look forward to coming third. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's better than, um, it's better than some politicians that you've got coming probably have ever done. So uh, there we well, are. Well, indeed. In the words of Donald Trump, I prefer people who didn't come first. Uh, but, they, but, they, but, they, but, they, but they've done really well. And, um, yeah, we were so close. Indeed. Ben, I'm listen, about it. and have a good time today. Enjoy it. And uh, I may see you tomorrow. Ben Harry's Quinney, uh, chairman of the Bow Group there. Uh... And we did better than America did. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you remember when David Cameron started some happiness index? This is what that's what this mm. is. Um, uh, and, and is this, is this yeah, a, is this, this a this result is the latest, of this? Because I think that was 2011. Oh, okay. He introduced it. So, and is there is... any evidence that we're getting less happy or more happy, or does it matter? Um, I, I'm not actually 100% sure if it's going up or down because mm. I'm not sure if they released that in the latest study. Um, I think it's quite difficult, though, as a government. You know, what can they do to affect the happiness of the whole nation? I think, you know. David Cameron, it's a nice idea, isn't it, to assess our happiness and see how we rank compared to other nations. Mm. I mean, all the studies do show that actually the happiest countries in the world are, I think, Denmark, uh, Sweden. They consistently rank the highest for happiness. And, I mean, all you have to do actually is go there and you kind of, you, you, you can see it. It's noticeable. People are happy. And it's despite the fact that, you know, they have long, dark winters, um, they have a pretty high suicide rate, though. I mean, the thing the trouble is, whenever there's a study done, it's always better in Scandinavia, isn't it? They always say, oh, it's much nicer in Norway or, or Sweden. But I'm not even sure if that's true. Well, I mean, I'm not 100% sure about how they go about assessing and comparing yeah. the happiness levels of different countries. But I actually was in Copenhagen at the end of last year, and people are very friendly, but it seems genuine. It's yeah. not like the American have a nice day thing yeah. where, you know, it's, you're not always sure if they mean that at all or they've just been told to say that and plaster a fake smile on their faces. Um, but it's a it's, lot, I mean, I find a lot of European countries much more friendly, for example, because we live in London, which is not the world's friendliest city right now either, is no. it? 
Um, no, it's definitely not. And I mean, I know you're going to talk about the protests later, but Londoners generally get a bad reputation. But I think it's true. But I think it's because the city's so big. And yeah. then you, you go to small villages and people say hello to you on the street and yeah. you feel a bit taken aback. I've never been on. too keen on that, to be honest. In fact, when I was in when I was living in New York and I had a uh, I used to go to this news agent and I would go there. And after about the second or third week of going there, uh, I was late one morning and I went in. And the guy was like, you're a bit late today. And I was I was sort of taken aback. I never went back to the shop. I was like, I don't, I don't want you knowing what you know my or routine. Spying on me. Yeah, I don't want you knowing my you routine. See, I would love that being recognised and no. somebody somebody no, caring. No, it's not for me. I've actually just. I don't found, need strangers to care for me. I've just found the World <laughs> Happiness Index. Oh, have you? Yes, and Jose uh, um, is absolutely right. Norway, Denmark, Iceland, Switzerland, Finland, Netherlands yeah. are one to six. Right on it then Canada uh-huh. then New Zealand then right. Australia I would have thought Australia would have been higher then Sweden Israel Costa Rica Austria United States Ireland Germany Belgium Luxembourg and then us well, so we're number mm. 19 so well you I mean also we do complain about stuff a lot don't we Rachel so I mean being British mm-hmm. part of that is about being a complainer Absolutely. I think Brits are so funny because we do complain a lot, but at the same time, we're incredibly polite and we're so conscious about being polite. And, you know, someone bashes into you and you say sorry. Yeah. And, we, and we're not confrontational, actually, but then we'll grumble to ourselves and yes. mutter under our breath. Yes, but won't actually send something back in yes. there. Or if we're anything like me, won't send something back in the restaurant, but then leave the restaurant with a handsome tip and yeah. then go outside and say, that was revolting. That was awful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then possibly don't go back. I mean, I presume the other thing is that that's sort of five to seven last night this this nation was a lot happier uh, than it was at kind of five to ten after England had been knocked out of the World Cup yes true I was very I was genuinely very concerned about what was going to happen to the national mood um if slash when we finally did get uh, kicked out of the World Cup but to be honest with you I think the response has been quite nice I think overall everyone's been like well actually that was fantastic yeah they did a great job and isn't that lovely exactly yeah. it's almost it's almost as if we've actually matured as we've a nation. matured because because <laughs> gareth has shown us the way saint yeah, gareth absolutely <laughs> not, not sir gareth no. i'll be fine no i'm just sainting him but rachel i mean so uh, what plans do you have for making yourself more happy then as you get older Okay, so to be honest with you, I'm a very happy person. I genuinely sometimes get a bit concerned. I'm like, is this useful naivety or is this just who I am as a person? Mm. I do think I'm actually happier than quite a lot of my peers. I'm hopeful this is just my mindset and this is something I do. However, I think I'm going to take from this study that I need to keep prioritising my health yeah. um, because that's clearly very important and as easy as it is to eat pizzas. Apparently, and you'll need to get, uh, apparently you'll need to get married as well. True, yes. I do need to find myself a husband. So if I do that, um, continue to educate myself, focus on my health, hopefully I'll be all right as decades go on. But it's possible as well that you're completely unrepresentative of your generation because a lot of uh, people of your age are always moaning and groaning about how they can't get this and they can't get that and life hasn't turned out well and, you know, their parents had it a lot well, I easier. I don't know if that's... If that, I, I think there is the resentment to the sort of baby boom generation yeah. um, and, and that. But I think a lot of what people interpret as sort of snowflake complaining is actually a generation who are trying to give themselves the best possible quality of life mm. and are so for instance mm. you know there's the demands for most of them already have a pretty good quality of life or, but they complain about it or, or the or the demands that you know, the organization they work for stands for something or has good social corporate mm-hmm. responsibility which is a big theme of of the sort of careers uh-huh. of, of people significantly younger than us i think that is just them saying that 
they've worked out what makes them happy. Right. And that's so, for instance, one of the things that makes them happy is working for an organisation that they respect and that they think does mm-hmm. some good in the world. Are you world sure that's not just that. a sort of middle class outlook, though? I mean, because no, don't no, forget, most not. of the it's world, not. most of the world is not middle class. No, right? I don't think it's got anything to do with class. I think that's definitely a generational thing. If you're and not living in London, you're not working for some, you know, um, recyclable um, company that's terribly green. Well, you're just it, trying to get a job. It's lentils. Yeah, it? you're just trying to get a job <laughs> and you're trying to get by and you're trying to actually get out of your parents' house. No, because I'm talking about ambitions. I'm not saying that uh, that, that everybody achieves that, but yeah. I think the, the, the desire amongst the younger generation and the youngest generation in the workforce is different to the to the ambitions and desires of the older generations. Is that true, workforce. Rachel? I completely agree with everything you've just said, actually. I do think as a generation... We're kind of, we She's so pleased with herself now. Just taking a little bow, Rachel. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, all you middle-class people just hang around together, don't you? I mean, I don't think it's just a class thing either. Really? And I I do think just, we we sort of have come of age in a time where the economic climate's been pretty difficult. But actually, this means that as a generation, I think we are maybe less focused on making money than perhaps our predecessors were. And actually, we're not all very noble and wanting to just save the planet, but we do kind of more want to work for a company with morals or do something we're passionate about, do something we care about. And, you know, this might mean we bounce around from job to job quite often to try and progress and do something we care about. And work-life balance is very important for most millennials. And, you know, we're not going to just slave away and slave away and slave away at a job we hate just to do, just to earn money. Of course, some people might, but I'm speaking generally as a whole. I think we have different priorities. I, I, mean, I mean, the problem with Doctor Who is, is it's a very, very short-run series. They only make about five. Yeah. And then they make a Christmas special. aren't they? Yeah, and I th- but I think they kind of backfired on them making Doctor Who into a woman because I think... People just kind of didn't really rise to that. You know, didn't really think it was a good idea. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I thought people did think it was quite a good idea, but maybe... Well, people who didn't watch it thought it was a great idea. <laughs> well, like me. But, yeah, but the people, yeah. because, you know, it's all great for the woman's sisterhood and all that, but actually for the people who watched it, I don't think they, they enjoyed it at all. Well, maybe it was all lacking the sexual frisson that it had before maybe. with the... Uh, maybe, but the I mean, Capaldi wasn't a very good Doctor Who either. I think he was responsible for sort of killing it to some oh. extent, because I don't think he was... I mean, he's a brilliant actor. I'm going to bow to your superior knowledge of Well, Doctor my kids who. were very big into Doctor well, Who, they? and they're not anymore. Um, which might be an age thing as well. Yeah. Um, but I just get the sense that the ratings went down and, you know, it was kind of, you know, not... Matt Smith, everybody loved. And when he left, yeah. um, you know, it just wasn't as good, really. Now, I'm going to tell you about these rats. Yeah, tell in us the, about in the, the rats. Indian Ocean, cause actually, it's really interesting. Okay. So the headline is um, that rats are destroying coral reefs, right. which you would struggle to work out the connection. I guess they're swimming rats, then. No, they're not. Ah. It's nothing to do with that. The rats eat the bird population. Right. And coral reefs uh, rely on bird poo. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Apparently they do, which is so interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, so the guano... What bird poo getting into the sea? Getting into the sea. Yeah. Um, from So the, the birds go and, you know, obviously fish, you know, go, go and catch their dinner in the sea and yeah. they poo in the sea. And the guano, as in the bird poo, yeah. is rich in nitrogen and phosphorus. Okay. And until now, they didn't. the scientists didn't realise there was a real connection mm. between that and the coral reefs, but okay. now they have worked out that that is that there is a real connection. Um, so, and there are two islands in the Indian Ocean, one of which is totally infested with rats, which came over on a sailing ship yeah. um, in the you know like two hundred years ago. Yeah. But then there's a neighbouring island mm. that never got the rats, so has none at all. Really? And they they've been able to have because they at can the... swim, can't they? 
Rats. I think some of them can, but I think these islands are quite far apart. Yeah. Um, so they've been able to compare and contrast these two. Apparently, they're the Chagos Islands in the central Indian Ocean. Oh, yeah. Two of them, and they can see clearly. These are the islands, are they not, which have been the subject of quite a big sort of campaign backwards and forwards with Foreign Office because the people who live on the Chagos Islands, I think, should be granted. It's a bit like Windrush, but not quite oh, as bad. Oh, are they? Oh, they should know. be granted sort of citizenship of Britain. Uh, because oh. they were at one point a British protectorate, but I think the British kind of abandoned them and basically said, no, you're not welcome, stay away. And I think there's a big lawsuit going backwards and forwards, I yeah, think. I'll have a look at that. I'm right in saying. Well, anyway, it's another good reason for me to hate rats, because rats lead to coral reefs dying off. Yeah, well, there you go. As if you wanted to... I mean, you can't really think of anything good about rats, can you? No. No, I can't really. No, but I mean, mice, mice are okay. And I suppose some something must eat a rat, so they must be part of the... Well, they're a bit like cockroaches, I think. They are kind of super survivors of no matter what kind of uh, yeah. you know, environment they well, end up living in. Sorry that I, every time <laughs> I mention something about rats, you don't like it. But every no, time I, you I do, can it's talk okay. About, I can talk about them for some reason. <laughs> I think it's listening to rats rather than talking about yes. rats. Yes. Somebody rather unkindly, Mark, has tweeted to say, if Mike came around to keep you company at night, Daisy, you would end up becoming an alcoholic. <laughs> That's how, an, do you, that's how do you know a, I'm not one already? That's a dreadful slur on me, that is, I can tell you. Um, but, uh, but I mean, also, um, here's one from uh, Steve, who's uh, uh, up in Watford, who says, on phobia front, he said, phobias, this is good because I blame my fear of flying on my dad, throwing me up in the air and catching me as a baby. Uh, and I also have a, a phobia of level crossings, of all things. How daft is that? Oh, no, I've got a friend called Hillary who's got a real phobia about level crossings. Really? She, when she drives, you know, when you when you wait and the, and the gate goes off, all right. day, um, she has to look about 25 times each way because she's really? convinced that she's going to be hit by a train. Yeah. I had one of those weird moments not long ago, actually, as I was approaching. There's one particular level. And one of the things they've started doing now in level crossings is they keep them, they keep the red light on for longer than they need to because they've, of course, yeah. become obsessed with health and safety. Yeah. So no longer does it just kind of go red just before the train comes. It goes red like seven minutes before the train comes. Yeah, and it's then really stays red. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. And if you know, and sometimes it'll go because there'll be two trains coming or something like that. Um, and I was uh, coming up to the one that I know quite well down in Sussex. And it started to, it just went from orange to red as I was just getting up to it. And I just went for it. <laughs> And I, as I was doing it, and I had the kids in the car, I was thinking, idiots! And they're all screaming. Yeah, no, they were fine. I didn't care, you know. But, I mean, it's really not something you should do. No, it's not. My sister had But a... then I was, at, it was at that point, I knew if I sort of screeched to a halt, that would be more upsetting yes. for everyone. Well, because you car. would then be not your natural sunny self, but rather grumpy about the fact that you had well, to wait there for Well, it wouldn't necessarily time. be that. It would just be the fact that, you know, I try when I drive. Um, I was once taught by a guy who was a chauffeur never to upset the passengers by slamming on the brakes or hitting the accelerator too hard so that they could always have a nice, pleasant, easy journey, you see. I so just, I'm much more uh, considerate than you think. Yes, I'm not. Whereas I, I just think if I'm driving, I can drive however I want. Yeah. If they're lucky enough to be driven around yes. by me rather than driving themselves, uh -huh. then they have to put up with my driving. Okay. Well, let's go to the phones because uh, Daniel wants to talk about Doctor Who. Daniel, a very good morning to you. Or afternoon, I should say. Good afternoon, Graham. Good afternoon, Katie. You can call me Mike um, if you like, Daniel. And you can call me Daisy. <laughs> yeah, and Daisy. So you haven't started well, Daniel, if you're going to ring up and give us a hard time. Graham and Katie. Graham we are and Katie. For God's sake, man. Okay. All right, do you want to start Mike again? Okay, then. Yeah, okay. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, Katie. No, it's Daisy. <laughs> Daisy. All right, go, go, for third go for the third time lucky. Okay, Daisy and Mike, how are you doing? Good very, very well. Nice to talk to you, Daniel. What would you like to say? 
Well, I'm just ringing up regarding that outrageous comment you made about Peter Capaldi not being a very good doctor. Listen, I've made a lot of outrageous comments on this station, and I wouldn't have expected to be pulled up on the one about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, I just thought I, I really enjoyed Peter Capaldi. Did you? He brought something, yeah, he brought something unique. Each doctor brings their own unique style to being the doctor. And you said Matt Smith was a good doctor, but in my opinion, Okay, was, I, I refer. I think of Max Smith as like the stick man, very slim and quirky in his own right with his quiff. Yes. But Peter Capaldi, he bought a, he bought his own unique style. I think that a lot of the young people didn't like him because of his age. But in my opinion, but that's the point. I'm, it's I'm meant to be. It's meant to be a young people show, isn't it? Well, young people should appreciate old people. You've got, got, well, he's not old, Peter Capaldi. I just I don't think it's anything to do with age. I just don't think he was very engaging for them. I think he was a little bit too. Uh, I would say he was always trying to be a little bit too intellectual. Perhaps he was trying to be a little bit too clever. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, well, young people should rise up to that then, shouldn't they? Because he brought his own quirkiness. He used to play the guitar. He, he actually starred in one of the best Doctor Who episodes I've ever seen uh, when he was being chased around a castle by some guardian of time. Uh, I can't remember what the episode was called, but like I say, I've, I've watched every Doctor Who. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. I've watched it since I was a kid. So who was your favourite Doctor? Kid. Who's your favourite Doctor, Daniel? Oh, I, oh gosh. I would say um, the the first one. Not the, not, not the first one, the second one. Is, that his Tom name Baker? Me. Is it Tom Baker? No, no, no. No, no, sorry. The second one of the new generation. Um, well, you're the expert. You're going to tell us, Daniel. <laughs> I can't, can't remember his name. His name. No, he can't be your favourite doctor. So Jodie well, Whittaker is the thirteenth, apparently. Yeah, I haven't seen her in the Doctor, but I know we're all being politically correct. So, so you haven't me. seen the new Doctor Who? No, I haven't. Not with Jodie Foster in it. No, Jodie Foster's not in it. Jodie Whittaker. No, Jodie Foster was <laughs> Jody in Jody Silence Whittaker. of the Lambs. <laughs> right, Jodie Whittaker. Okay, yeah, why Jody haven't you watched Jodie Whittaker? Um, just pie, really. And the kids have stopped watching it, so I don't really watch it now. I used to, it used to be like. So now you don't watch. So, so hang on. So you're ringing me up to tell me that I got it wrong about Peter Capaldi, right? But you no longer watch Doctor Who, even though you used to watch it all the time. But you can't remember the name of your favourite Doctor. Are you sure this is not some kind of spoof, Daniel? <laughs> hang on. Let me Google my. Is your name doctor. really Daniel? It is absolutely yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, to be fair, I didn't even know Doctor Who was back on. Well, because she's not your Doctor she, Who fan. But wasn't she just well, doing yeah. a little teaser thing at Christmas? Have they actually done a proper series? Yeah, they have, yeah. Have they? Well, I'm with well, Daniel. I haven't seen Daniel's just got back into the TARDIS. Daniel, we'll see you later. Thanks for calling, man. Um, <laughs> He's doing some time travelling. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? I think Daniel might be on the Perry. I think he might be a Cyberman in disguise, mm. to be honest. Or a Dalek. a Dalek. Do you know they can fly now? Did you know that? No. I know more about how Doctor do, Who than this guy. How can they fly? They don't have wings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you that. Um, I don't know where to go now. I think uh, we'll just stop for a while. Shall we pause? This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.